Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Anybody excited to be in God's house this morning? I am too, man. We had a great first service, and I genuinely, something's wrong with me apparently, but I genuinely love you people. I really do. And I enjoy seeing you, and I like being in God's house with you. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, it's so good to see you this morning. Well, we are finishing up this series this morning called Sing With All Your Heart. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to it as much as I've enjoyed preaching it. I've had a great time. Hope you've been challenged and inspired, and I hope you've learned something. And uh, next week, uh, just one service next week at 11 o'clock. Everybody gets to be a little bit lazy. And you don't want to miss next week. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. Uh, I'm going to Africa. I'm going to try to get this old, out-of-shape rear up a 20,000-foot mountain later this week. So I need some prayers. I really had intentions of, like, being in really good shape by this point, and uh, that didn't work out the way I hoped, but I got faith, so I'm going to pray and see what happens. But you don't want to mix next Sunday because the one, the only, the passionate, the incredible Miss Erica Hennon is going to be here preaching the word to you guys, man. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So don't miss it, guys. A um, couple weeks ago, we talked about how to fight our battles. And when you reach the bottom of as low as you can go, when anything that can go wrong has gone wrong, it's time to start singing. Right, am, I, am I right? That's, that's how you fight your battles. And last week we talked about the traveling song that worship's so powerful, it doesn't just change you, but it has the power to change the world around you. And when you make those decisions to worship through adversity, you just really have no idea how far that song might go and how influential that might be. And today I want to share with you another very important message. I want to help you this morning. I know that we all love feeling special and unique. There's something inside of every human heart that you want to make a difference in, in, in life. I mean, you, you want your life to mean something and to matter. We like it when we get recognized for different accomplishments. And today I want to let you know about an elite group of people that exist in the body of Christ. In my opinion, it's one of the most exclusive, should be one of the most desired groups of people that you could ever be a part of. I think that perhaps it's the most prestigious of all honors that exists for a human here on planet Earth, this, this special group that exists. You probably won't read much about this group. It's kind of an unofficial type of group because I made it up, but that doesn't change the fact that it's extremely real and extremely relevant, should be something that we're all striving. The name of this group this morning is this, the Have You Considered Club. It's exclusive. It's prestigious. It should be the desire of your heart. And today I want to give you three ways of how you can be a part of this exclusive club, the Have You Considered Club. Are you ready? Thank you. All right. Uh, Job chapter 1, starting in verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a whole lot of sheep. 3,000 camels. 
500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Some of you excited this morning, like finally, a message that I can get behind, Pastor Mark. Tell me how to be like this guy, rich, famous, prosperous, greatest. Interesting, though. The story says that the the sons of God came before God, and Satan was with them. Different different time, different story. Like, we're not going to get into theology this morning, but it, it just follow trick with me through the story. Satan presented himself before God, and God asked him this question, more or less like, hey, devil, what you been doing? And he's like, well, I've just been going around the earth to and fro, here and there, just doing what the devil does, you know? Uh, and God makes this very interesting suggestion in verse chapter 8. Look, look, look at this. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered unbelievable privilege, unbelievable thing for the Lord to suggest of you, exclusive club? Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? A blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. Man, can you imagine the creator of the universe saying that about you this morning? That's incredible. Can you imagine the confidence and the trust that God would have to have in you to put you up for suggestion to the devil? Like, hey, man, have you considered this guy? Because there is no one else like him. He's built different. This dude is just on a different level. Have you considered this guy? And the devil says, come on, God. Like, of course he serves you. Of course he follows you. Of course he, he does what you. Look how blessed this dude is, man. All these camels and sheep and all these dogs. Like, he's the most powerful dude on earth. Of course he's going to follow you and do what you ask. But you take away some of that money. You take away some of those possessions. I'm telling you, God, you watch how fast this dude's going to turn his back on you. So God says, all right, man, do what you're going to do to his possessions, but keep your hands off of Job as an individual. A few verses down, I want to read this no good, terrible, horrible day that existed in the life of Job. This is what the enemy did in his life. Now, there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Next verse. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven, burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Job's probably thinking, dang, like what in the world's going on at this point? While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people. And they are all dead. And I alone have escaped 
to tell you. Can we all agree today that that is a really bad day? In one day, Job lost all of his family, all of his possessions, all of his wealth. How's a man going to respond in that type of situation, right? Let's look how Job responds in verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and... What? What? He just lost everything he had that a man could possibly lose. And this is his response. He's not complaining. He's not griping. He's not cursing God. When anything that could go wrong has gone wrong, Job decided that it's time to... And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. But blessed be the name of the Lord, man. What a response to this kind of tragedy. I'm telling you, if you want to be part of that Have You Considered Club, the first thing you got to be able to do is you have to be able to worship when you don't feel like it. You got to get a hold of this because this principle can change your life, friends. Listen, it's not hard to worship God when everything's going great. When you're getting raises and you're being prosperous and the kids are good and the grandbabies are good and every direction you turn, it's just blessing on top of blessing. It's not hard to worship in those moments. But friends, that's not even really worship, to be honest with you. It requires no trust. It requires no faith. I mean, that's just being a decent human. Come on. I mean, if you, if you Christmas morning, your kids got like 100 gifts under the tree, it's not too much for them to say, hey, thanks for that, right? I mean, that's what you expect. That's not worship. That's just being a decent person and saying thank you, having a heart full of gratitude. Listen, worship requires trust. It requires faith. Worship is not a feeling. Oh, man, that second song, those goosebumps hit me. Woo, the Holy Ghost got on me this morning. It was good church. Like, that's not what worship is. It's not warm fuzzies. It's not just goosebumps. It's not just how it makes you feel. Worship is a choice. Worship is a decision this morning, friends, that when everything is going wrong, you choose. You make a decision. I'm going to trust. I'm choosing to have faith. I'm choosing to worship. In reality, worship has nothing to do with you or your circumstance. It really its so much bigger than that because you can acknowledge, like, God, my life kind of sucks a little bit right now. Do I have a witness from the congregation? It's kind of like, I don't know where you are. I don't know why this is happening. You're not talking to me. Feel like I'm doing my best. Things aren't working out. Like, that's the reality of some of our situations. But worship happens in the middle of that when you just draw a line in the sand and say, But God, I'm standing in faith and I'm trusting that you're still good. You're still faithful. You're still everything that you say you are. You are just as worthy today as you were yesterday, and you're going to be just as worthy tomorrow. Listen, circumstances come and go. Situations change. But the worth of Jesus remains the same. He's just as worthy on your worst day as he is on your best day, friends. He's worthy. That's what worship is. I just want to give you a list of appropriate times to worship God, just in case there's any confusion. I would, I would love to clear that up this morning. Here we go. Appropriate times to worship God, and this is the gospel of Mark Hennon. The morning, the afternoon, brunch, lunch, 
evening, nighttime, all great times to worship God. It's a great time to worship God when you're blessed. Woo! It's a great time to worship God when you're feeling broken. That's a great time. It's a great time to worship God when your dreams are being fulfilled and when those dreams are being crushed and shattered. It's a great time to worship when your bank account's full and when you're broke like a joke. It's a great time to worship. Good time to worship when everything's going the way you want it to go. Good time to worship when nothing is working out, how or when or where you thought it was going to work out. But every moment, every second, every day of your life, from now throughout all of eternity, is an appropriate time to worship God. Come on, somebody. You do realize that it's the only gift that is going to exist in heaven that happens here. There's no prophecy in heaven. There's no tongues in heaven. You know fully, and you are fully known. The only thing that you can do here on earth and here in heaven, you're going to be doing it for the rest of eternity, gathered around the throne of God, just like the angels, singing holy, holy. Worship from now to the end of time. Some of you need to start practicing right now. You'd be better prepared for heaven. Come on. Start worshiping, man. It's the number one thing you got to have. Worship when you don't feel like it. This is what Job does. The devil's perplexed by this. He reports back to God, and God's like, well, how did that work out? And the devil's like, well, didn't really go according to plan, but, but I got to figure it out. See, he still has his health. I mean, you took everything else from him, Lord, but he still has his health. And if you would just let me take his health, whew, you're going to see that boy turn on you so fast like a chicken on a grasshopper kind of fat. He's going to turn, man, if you just let me take his health. God says, all right, man. Take his health, but you can't take his life. Job 2, verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Terrible. I mean, anything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And here's his wife coming in just very encouraging. Are you still maintaining your integrity? Remember I told you sometimes it's the people closest to you that are the biggest Debbie Downers. Here she is. Here's her advice to Job. Why don't you just curse God and die? Like, enough already, Job. Obviously, God's not who you said he is. Obviously, he's not going to do what he said he's going to do. Get it over with. You've lost everything, man, even your health. Curse God and die. I'm sure there were some moments in there that Job was looking at her like, really, God? You could have taken her. <laughs> you missed one. Hey. <laughs> he says, you're talking like a foolish woman. Husbands, I don't advise that. <laughs> Careful. Listen to this. Job says, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? The question you need to ask yourself today, shall we accept good from God but not trouble? And the truth is, is that if we were to be honest with ourselves this morning, probably every person in this room, it would be a resounding yes. That's exactly what I want. I want all the good, and I want none of the trouble. I want all the good, none of the bad. All the blessings, none of the curses. But if you're going to be part of the Have You Considered Club, the second thing you've got to be able to do is you've got to be able to trust God even when it's hard. Because the truth is, is that trouble... In your life, 
is inevitable. There is no escaping trouble in this life. It's not a matter of if trouble is coming. It's a matter of when trouble is coming. And for some of you, it's probably right now. You're living in it. But Jesus knew this. He forewarned you. He gave us a promise. We don't like these promises. But God said, in this world, you will have, not might, not maybe, you will have trials, troubles, tribulations. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Trouble's coming, friends. It is. But if you will allow him to work the process in your life, God has this amazing way of taking what the enemy meant for evil and using it for good in your life. Aren't you thankful for that today? Man, he gave us a promise that all things work to the good. This passage doesn't say that all things are good. Many of us experience all sorts of things that are not good in any way, shape, or form. That's not what the passage said. All things work to the good of those that love God and live according to his purpose. That's you this morning as a believer. If you allow God, he can take all that negativity and turn it into something beautiful in your life. That's the hope of the gospel. Here's the truth that you have to embrace in life. It's going to be on the screen. Write it down. Take a picture. This is reality. That pain creates a power that accelerates his purposes in our lives. Well, not a single amen, just like the first service. No, nobody, no one likes pain. No one likes suffering. But pain creates this power that accelerates God's purposes in your life. Boy, I wish there was like a shortcut, but there's not. The path of following God is going to lead through the fire. It's going to lead through the pain. It's going to lead through some hardships. That's just the reality, right? Let me give you a little demonstration here, folks. Cut those lights for me a little bit, fellas. Oh, dark up in here. Drum roll, please. We're going to count down from three, two, one. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Boom. That's a bright little light, isn't it, man? Come on, look at that little thing. Woo! Lights up the whole room all the way in the back. Folks trying to sleep back there. Turn the lights back on. Hurry. I was going to use like a, uh, a more standard... Um, Spotlight, you know what I'm saying? But I was worried. We got some rednecks in the room, and I was afraid, like, muscle memory was going to kick in. Like, spotlight comes on, rifle comes up. Spotlight, huh? It's the last thing some of those bucks on your wall saw, wasn't it, friends? Be honest. That poor deer's like, man, that sun came out quick. <laughs> Crazy. Turn the lights back off real fast. I'm going to do one thing right here. It's hard to see. Drum roll, please. Three, two, one. Mm. <laughs> we need some more faith. Come on, drum roll. Count it down. Three, two, one. <laughs> Turn that back on for me, fellas. Only one thing changed in that scenario. Only one thing. If you unhook the negative charge from the battery, the light does nothing. Oh, we, we hate negative, thing, negative things. We hate hardships. 
And we want nothing but good and positive. Give me those good vibes, preacher. Give me those positive vibes. I don't even know what a vibe is. I see it all. Like, I'll pray for you. I'm not going to vibe you. How do you vibe some? (laughs) Give me them positive, good vibes. Here's the truth. All positive, all positive, all positive, all positive equals no power in your life, friends. That's the truth right there. All positive equals no power. God uses pain to create power that accelerates his purposes in your life. This is the truth, friends. Listen, Joseph was preparing for the palace when he was stuck in the prison. Moses was preparing for the deliverance when he was hiding in the desert. David was preparing to rule a kingdom when he was living in caves. Nobody likes the negativity. Nobody likes the hard things. But that's the thing that creates power in your life. And if you will allow God, he will use it for your benefit if you're willing to trust God even when things are hard. Trust God even when things don't always make sense and embrace the reality that my story isn't over yet. He takes us from glory to glory to glory. It's a big gap in there sometimes, though. Job 42, all the way to the end of the book, man. He's got three really crappy friends. They come and tell him what a horrible duty is. And Here's the end of the story. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life. What's that next word? What's that next word? More. Then the former parts. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. Look back to chapter 1, you'll see that that is exactly double what he lost back in chapter 1. See, we make a mistake sometimes. This is how God restores things in our life. We spend a lot of time praying, God, just get it back to the way that it used to be. God, just get it back to the way that it used to be. But when God gets in the middle of your situation, he just, his goal isn't to get it back to the way that it used to be. His goal is to make it better than it's ever been before, friends. That needs to be your prayer. God, I want my marriage to be better than it's ever been. I want our relationship to be than it's ever been. Finances better than they've ever been. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughter. He didn't bless with no ugly women, friends. And their father granted them inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died, an old man and full of years. This is how God restores and works in our life. The interesting thing is, though, friends, I promise, when Job was sitting there with ashes, when he had lost everything but his nagging old wife that he probably wished he had lost, scraping himself with pottery because all the sores on his body, I promise you, he didn't see this part of the story. He didn't. There's no way. When you're going through hell, When you're going through all sorts of adversity and troubles and pain, I mean, that's all you see. It's right in front of you. Job never saw this part of the story, the end of it, the next chapter when when God turns a page in our life, when that season ends and a new season begins and all the seeds you sowed in in the last season, you're harvesting in this season. He didn't see any of that because he was too busy, caught up in his pain, and he would have missed it. He would have missed it if he didn't know how to obey even when it doesn't make sense. 
It's one of the most difficult lessons we're going to ever learn in life. But friends, we have to learn to obey even when it doesn't make sense. You want to hear some good news this morning? Your story isn't over today. As a matter of fact, I believe God's just getting started in many of your lives. Your story isn't over, but you're not going to see it unless you keep moving. It's not happening here. You can't get stuck today. You're not going to see it unless you keep moving. You're not going to see it unless you keep doing the things that you know you're supposed to be doing, even if you don't feel like doing them. If you only do what you feel like doing, you're not going to make it very far in this Christian life, friends. you got to learn to be obedient even when it doesn't make sense to do those things that you know you're supposed to do even when you don't feel like doing them. You can't see what God's doing in your life. But I can promise you, you sure as heck don't want to miss it. Hey, 12 years ago, I mean, this morning I looked so brave and bold and fearless, handsome, charming, talented. Come on, give me some. I'm teasing. I, I, man, passionate, ready to follow God anywhere. Yeah. Some of you think I'm invincible. 12 years ago, couldn't even get myself off the couch. That's the true story. Crippled with depression. Crippled with hopelessness and despair. So mad at God. My heart so ugly and full of just, ugh. Twelve years ago, I could never see today. I couldn't. All I saw was just darkness and gloom and ugh. I could never, I could never see a healthy growing, thriving church that's seen over a thousand salvation in the last four and a half years. I couldn't see that, man. I couldn't see schools in Africa. I couldn't see whole communities being, I couldn't see any of that. I couldn't. I was stuck. And I had to make a decision. Mark, you can't stay here. You better start doing the things that you know you're supposed to be doing, even if you don't feel like doing them. You better learn to obey, even when it doesn't make sense. I made a decision one day. I sure don't feel like it. God doesn't look good. He doesn't seem faithful. He doesn't seem loving. or None of those things, but I'm making a decision to believe it, to trust it, to take it by faith, because that's what worship is. And one day in that basement, I decided it's time for me to start singing again, friends. Woo! And when you start singing and when you start worshiping and trusting God, things start happening in your life. Do you believe that this morning? It's incredible what God can do. Listen, I want to challenge you today. It's a beautiful thing to start singing in the midst of adversity and troubles and trials. It's beautiful. But the kicker is you got to keep singing. You got to keep singing. You got to keep singing. You got to keep trusting. You got to keep following. Are you ready for me to tell you the secret of my life? 39 years, this is it, all wrapped into one little bubble. If I've ever done anything well, if I've ever been successful on any level, if I've ever impacted a single life, this is the secret. Are you ready, friends? Never stop singing. Never stop trusting, never stop worshiping, never stop believing. Just keep on, keep on. Because here's the truth, there's a real devil. 
And he's really working in your lives. He's really working behind the scenes. Listen, that's the reality. Some of you are living through. It's possible. The devil's out there trying to steal your money. He is. He's trying to steal your finances. He's trying to steal your ministries. He's trying to steal your hopes. He's trying to steal your dreams. He's trying to steal your marriage. He's trying to steal those sons and those daughters. He don't take days off. He's out there trying to steal. And sometimes he's successful. But friend, there is one thing in your life that the devil cannot take unless you let him. Only one. One thing in your life that you have complete and total control over. Oh, the enemy might take this. The enemy might take this. The enemy might take that. But devil, you are never going to steal my song. I'm going to keep singing in the good days, in the bad days, and every single day in between. This is the determination you have to have, friends. If you want to be part of the Have You Considered Club. You start singing, and you just don't stop singing. Powerful preacher by the name of Dick Mills heard this story several years ago. Wonderful ministry, influential, reaching tons of people. Everything starts going wrong in his life, in his personal life, in his finances, in his ministry. Anything that could go wrong is going wrong. I mean, the enemy is attacking this dude, and he's doing everything that he knows to do. Man, he's praying, he's fasting, he's seeking God, he's doing it. I mean, anything that he can do, holding on to God's promises and God's word, he's doing it. And it seems like the more that he does it, the worse things are getting. He comes to the end of himself one day, complete despair, the end of his rope. He's gone as far as he can go, and this is the decision that he made in his life. He gets two chairs. He sets them right there apart from each other, looking at each other. He sits down in one of the chairs, and out loud he says, sit down there, devil. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to worship, and you're going to watch me. Whether you like it or not, when you've come to the end of yourself, when you've gone as far as you can go, slam a couple chairs down, friend. Make that decision in your heart. I'm going to worship. Come hell or high water, no matter what comes, I'm standing in faith. I'm trusting. I'm falling. I'm worshiping. And the devil just going to have to sit there and watch it. Because you can take a lot of things, devil, but you cannot take my song. Come on, man. Don't let the enemy steal it from you. It's your weapon. Keep singing. Horatio Spafford was a successful attorney and real estate investor who lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. Around the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. That's a horrible season in your life. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England planning to join them after he finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of his precious daughters. His wife Anna survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to tell him that they were now passing over the exact spot 
where the shipwreck had occurred. As Horatio thought about his daughters, he stepped out on the bow of the boat and he wrote these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Come on. When you've reached the end of yourself and you've done all that you know how to do, that's the perfect time to start singing. That's the perfect time to start worshiping. And I don't know what all you're facing here this morning. There's a lot of you. Probably all sorts of circumstances and situations and hardships and addictions and mistakes and sins and failures. I mean, the list goes on and on. But I do know that whatever it is that you are facing this morning, I think I know the solution. I think today you need to get a couple chairs, put them right in front of each other, and with as much boldness and bravery as you can muster, say, devil, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to worship, and you're just going to have to watch me. You're just going to have to watch me. You can't take my song. Stand to your feet this morning if you would. Lord, we love you this morning. God, I thank you that no matter what we're facing, you can take what the enemy meant for evil and use it for good. So God, today as we just turn our our hearts, our affections towards you, God, let it be a, a statement of faith, a statement of trust. That God, we acknowledge that there's all sorts of issues going on in our lives. And some of those, we have no idea what the solution is. God, we don't know what else to do. So today, we're just making a conscious decision. God, we're going to worship you. God, we're going to trust you, even when it's hard. God, we're going to obey, even when it doesn't make sense. And as we do that, God, I just ask that you would just move in our lives in a supernatural way, like only you can do, Father. God, I thank you for it. Why don't you sing this old hymn with me this morning? With my 
mean it with all your heart, how great. Give the Lord some praise this morning. You can do better than that. Pray with me this morning. Oh God, we just turn to you. Circumstances, situations would love to steal our focus, would love to steal our heart. But God, this morning, we just intentionally, we turn to you. Father, we tell you today, from the bottom of our heart, Jesus, we love you. Come on, just tell him this morning, in your own words, Jesus, we love you. Wow. God, how could we not love you? You made it pretty easy to love. God, when we were lost, you searched for us. God, when we were hopeless, you gave your life for us. You paid for my sins that I could never pay for. God, you gave your, your own blood as the ransom. Having absolutely no guarantee that I would ever have a relationship with you. You did all that just so you could have a chance. Just a chance that we would say yes. A chance that we could have an intimate relationship with you. And God, you went through all that because you thought that we were worth it. It's unbelievable. God, I just ask that you would help us. Worship when we don't feel like it. Trust when it's hard. Obey even when things in life don't make sense. God, help us to worship. Not goosebumps and warm fuzzies, but a decision, a choice. Even when things are going all wrong, determination would rise up in us to say, no, no, no. I know this is what's happening right now, but it's not the end of the story because my God is too good. My God is too faithful. My God is too kind. The story's not over yet. I'm going to keep trusting, and I'm going to keep worshiping. And God, as we do that, God, I thank you that that's what you do. It's not a faith statement, it's a reality statement that our best days are still out in front of us, God, as you recreate us and transform us and take us from glory to glory. So God, we just tell you today that we love you. We thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing, and for what you're gonna continue to do. And we're gonna be so careful to make sure that you get all the praise because you and only you are worthy. In the beautiful name of Jesus, everybody said, Come on, man. Give him some praise today. Before we dismiss, I just want to welcome the prayer team to come down front. Listen, if you're here this morning, you're just going through it, and you want somebody to stand in prayer with you, please don't leave today without letting this prayer team meet with you. Also, uh, tonight, if you've never been to Discover the Vision, uh, it's a free meal. 
It's a great time. Learn all about the church at 6 o'clock right out in the Great Hall. And as you leave today, grab a couple invite cards because September 10th is friend day, and we're going to pack this place out, man, and God's going to do something incredible. Amen. I love you guys. See you Wednesday night for prayer. God bless you.